Well, years ago, uh, many of you like me, uh, years ago, there was this show that came on every Saturday evening, and there was this band director that would say, oftentimes, he would say, wonderful, wonderful. Is anybody, raise your hand if you know who I'm talking. Well, there's, okay. Lawrence Welk, Lawrence Welk. And it was one of the only shows that we as a family could ever watch. It was Saturday night and after we took our baths. You know, we took a bath once a week back then, right? I still do that today. I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, so Lawrence Welk, wonderful, wonderful. And everything about that program was... And he kept saying that over and over again. Wonderful after uh, Sissy and Bobby, whatever, did the dance and Myron Florin on the accord. Wonderful. He just kept promoting this amazing program that was wonderful. And everybody was happy and everything about it was just like, yeah. And he was just so happy. And he just kept saying, wonderful, wonderful. And a one and a two and, you know, start, start all that going. Um, and so I, I was thinking about um, that word, wonderful. And so here's some of the, 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 the other words that explain wonderful. Extremely good. So, so Myron Florin, uh, uh, Lawrence Welk was, was uh, extremely wonderful. And uh, beyond good, um, excellent, unusually excellent, um, Hard to really understand because it's that it's that good. Uh, and then the um, the last one is a miracle, and, and that's way up here. That's if you've ever um, seen a miracle in your life, if you've ever been a part of that, it, it is. It's like that's wonderful, wonderful. It's 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 an amazing to be a part of God's plan and to have the privilege of seeing those things happen. Okay, so um, turn to Isaiah chapter uh, 9, and we're going to look at that very familiar passage in Isaiah chapter 9 that talks about wonderful. And so in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and um, 7, you just have to read 7 too, but we're going to focus on verse 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the rulership or the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it to, and establish it with judgment and justice from that time on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Okay, so wonderful, wonderful counselor, he says. Wonderful counselor. And here's something that is, I think, true whether we want to admit it or not, that every single one of us need a counselor. So... What is a counselor? I know some of you are going, oh, no, you're not going to get me in front of a shrink. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lay on the couch and spill everything, and he's going to tell me what it all means and look at weird pictures. And No. So a uh, counselor, what, what is a counselor? He's a helper, an advocate. Uh, he's one that guides, will guide you through stuff. 
Um, so we get um, counsel or we get advice every single day. It comes from us. A lot of it comes from the media. If you're, if you're glued to that, a lot of that is coming to you. And um, so the question that I'm, I'm going to just ask as we go through this is, how do you know you're receiving good counsel or bad counsel? So think about that for a minute. How do you know when you're receiving good counsel or good advice or bad advice? So let's go to keep your finger here um, but or a marker here and go to uh, Psalms, uh, the book of Psalms, which is the ancient Hebrew people's song book, really. Um, but chapter one, chapter one. And right off, it talks about um, this counsel, this counsel. Okay. Psalms. Uh, chapter 1. And so here is uh, God's word in song um, instructing his people about counsel or advice. And this is what he says. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight shall be in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted beside rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does, let me just say that again, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly shall perish. So think about that again, even right here in this passage. How do you know that you're receiving the right counsel or bad counsel? How do you know that? How do you know that? I'd like you to turn also, as you're formulating that, I'm thinking some of you are thinking right now, well, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Um, turn to Psalm 73. And I want to show you something because I do believe that we fall into this. So you're in Psalm still, but go to Psalm 73. And in this passage, um, it talks about seeing the ungodly prosper and and going, what do I do with this? Because I'm doing it. I'm following Jesus, but the ungodly are prospering. So watch this psalm. Watch what he does with this. Psalm 73. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful, when I saw their prosperity 
when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm, and they are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves them as a necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than the heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongues walks through the, through the earth. Mm, wow. Therefore, his people return here and the waters of a cup full are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and I washed my hands in innocent for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. Then I thought, how to understand this? And it was too painful to me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. I want to pause there for a minute. Do you, do you, uh, do you sense the confusion that he's going? He's looking around going, why is this worth it? Why is following God worth it? Look at the ungodly. They're prospering. What is all this? And he says, I didn't understand it until this. And it says, verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely you have set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Verse 21. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for a harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Amen. Why, isn't that it? We live in this world and we're seeing that kind of stuff and we're going, but God, what about me? What, what about me? And until we go to the right council, right? Until we go to the sanctuary of the Lord, until we go to his word, do we get our, our heads screwed on straight again, right? We get our thinking straight again that they're going to perish and you have eternal life if you've believed in the Lord God. So, so it's compassion and pity rather than envy of, of those that 
don't know the Lord. So how do you know you're receiving the right counsel? Uh, in Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, without counsel, counsel, the people fall. So what is that counsel? Where do we get that counsel? Um, other than the word of God, just raise your hand. How do you know you're getting the right counsel other than the word of God? So you can't say it's God's word. How do you know you're getting the right counsel or the right advice from people around you? How do you know that? Anybody? Yeah. Dave. Okay. Godly people. Yeah, Donna. People who love you. Okay. That's one. Yeah, Kenny. Okay, so Kenny came back. If they're saying what's in the Bible, thank you, Kenny. Yes. Um, okay, so you're looking for confirmation that, okay, I'm, I'm going along here. Maybe some of you uh, have experienced this before. You might be doing your scripture reading in the morning and, and you get this, this thought that just kind of echoes your heart. And then somewhere during the day, you hear that same thought in a song. And then somebody says something to you. About, and you're going, oh, I think God's trying to get my attention. He's saying it over and over in different ways. different, But it's the same. Okay. Anybody else? Mike. How do you know? Get the right counsel. Well, it, it definitely has to line up with the Word of God. Okay. Okay. And so you okay. look at that and you can say, wait, which has the world view, which has the okay. Christian view? Okay. Which has the world's way view and which has, okay, so that's a, yeah, um, Howard, yes. Okay, you deserve it. Okay. Wow. Y- yes, money. Okay, a sense of contentment or peace when you're receiving this counsel, this uh, through through God's word. To yes. Okay, the Holy Spirit for sure is making that evident. Yes. Yes, Lori. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, amazing. This year is the first time uh, as the, we were coming up to the voting time. And um, Natalie, instead of looking at all the flyers of the different uh, people running, she went on their Facebook to see what, who they associate with and what they like and dislike. And it was like, well, w- this flyer isn't saying the same thing. <laughs> so that's a way. And I thought, Phew. There we go. It's it's their choices and who they associate with and the things. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's a piece of advice for you maybe when election time comes again. So how do we know the right counsel? Well, we've just talked about it. It ha- it it has to back up what the Word of God says. It has to be. Um, uh, it has to be in alignment with, with God and his love and his plan. So I wrote down some things here. 
Um, the outcome of whatever that counsel is that you get, if it looks like this, and you've been saying this too, if it looks like what comes out to that, of that counsel is arrogance and pride, if that comes out of that counsel or uh, fear or frustration or causing division or anger or insecurity or violence, um, if, if, if the outcome of that counsel is that kind of stuff, then you have to go, what is that? That, that, that can't be from God. But it, um, here's, here's from God's word out of Ephesians chapter six. Truth and righteousness and faith and the gospel of peace and uh, the message of salvation uh, and the word of God and prayer so that kind of stuff, or Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's the earmarks of, okay, that's, that's God's counsel. And this other stuff that's causing me anxiety and frustration and all that, that counsel can't, if the outcome is that kind of stuff, okay. So how do you know you're receiving the right counsel? So here's the amazing thing. Is that Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 14. He said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you a counselor. And he's like me. Matter of fact, he says, everything he shares with you is exactly what what I've shared with you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So John 14, if you can flip there real quick. John 14, um, he says, see, I, it says it also in verse 16, uh, chapter 16, but John 14, 16 says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper or counselor or advocate or, okay, I will give you, um, and he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he dwells within you and will be in you, and I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay. Um, go to uh, chapter 16, verse 7. John, Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, or the counselor, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Drop down to verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. Okay. So, do you remember that statement that I said earlier that every one of us need a counselor? We need counsel. And praise God that he's given us the Holy Spirit as the most beautiful, wonderful counselor that's almighty God himself to help you to navigate this life. So, our counselor, we receive that counsel. Um, We talked about it happened to needs to line up with the word of God. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And let's see, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for 
teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be fully equipped, fully equipped to do the work of God. Is that amazing? So through the word of God, the Holy Spirit counsels you and me. So here's my question then. Um, If each one of us need counsel, how much time do we spend in this counsel? How much time do we spend receiving that counsel? Wonderful counselor. Talks about mighty God is the next one. So we are in in, uh, Isaiah chapter 7. That's our home page. Isaiah Isaiah chapter 9. Sorry, 9, verse 6. Says... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Mighty God, Mighty God, Um, Creator, Creator, how do you know God's power? You look around at His creation, Um, there's nothing more powerful than that. You know, it's amazing to think about all the things that man can do, and yet um, God can cause an earthquake, he can cause hailstorms, he can all of a sudden just send a tornado through, all of a sudden, you know, everything's level, isn't it? The the power of God, he is the creator, the power of God. In uh, Revelation, it says of God that I am the first and the last, I am the omega, I'm, I'm, I'm the beginning and the end. And he says, I'm the one who is and who is to come. I'm, I, I was there before. So um, his power. So I'm going to be asking this for you to ponder. We already pondered the question, how do you know his counsel? How do you know his power? Think about that for a minute. How do you know his power? How Have you experienced his power? How do you know that? Um, in uh, Psalm 24, verse 8, Psalm 24, verse 8. Um, The psalmist says, Lift up your heads, O gates. Let them be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Let them be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Well, he's the Lord of hosts. <laughs> he is the King of glory, the captain of the heaven's armies, God Almighty. You've been given a counselor, Almighty God, Almighty God. Um, there's another passage that I've been pondering and trying to memorize, but Timothy, uh, if you go to uh, Timothy uh, chapter, is it chapter... Uh, Chapter 1, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And it speaks about this, this power of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, no, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I got you to Timothy. Just need to go a couple more chapters. 6. 
And in verse 15 and 16, listen to how, how uh, Paul describes God. And so it's in mid-sentence, he says, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and the only sovereign king of kings and lord of lords, in verse 16, who alone has immortality, that's everlasting life, that's never dying, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Okay, so that kind of power. How do you know God's power? How how would you say that you've experienced God's power? I mean, you look at creation, but how do you know his power? What is an obvious sign of God's power in your life? David. (laughs) The power of God is a changed life that you were once headed in this direction Newness of life, now you're headed in this direction. You're following after God. There's no greater power in the world than someone's life that has been radically changed by God. And it happens in different ways. Some people, it's like Saul's experience on the way to Damascus. It's bang, and then he was right out the chute, and he was sharing Jesus and everywhere he went. And then some of you, like me, is like slow go. I said, yeah, I do believe that. And then he had to humble me and, and show me through, through a few years that this is true, but the changed life started to happen. And the weird part is every single year, it's like there's more and more of me leaving the old ways behind. New life. Thank you, David. The most powerful work of God is changing a person's life okay so mighty god so our counselor is wonderful counselor he is mighty god and then it says eternal father turn to john chapter 17 john 17 he's it's called the high priestly prayer and he's praying over his disciples whom he's trained up these last three years. They've been handpicked by God. He found them. The father found them and he, he received them and he trained them. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 17. He says, it says, the, Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he may, that, or he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Eternal Father has given this to Christ. And he says, as many as you've given him. Verse three, and this is eternal life that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus came from heaven to earth to save us, to ransom us. And he proved his love on the cross, proved his power by coming back to life. Verse four, I have glorified you on earth. I've finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Amen? So 
eternal life, eternal father. Um, since you're still there in John, I'd like you to go back to John chapter um, 8. I want you to see something here. Just so that we get it straight. Do you remember how when Moses, back in the Old Testament, when God called Moses, and I love that calling of Moses when God appeared in the burning bush and spoke to Moses and he said, I've heard the cry of my people from heaven and I've come down to deliver them. And so Moses, I'm sending you. (laughs) I think that's amazing. I think that is just amazing. God could have done it without Moses, but he said, I'm going to use you. And Moses got to see and display and to be the one that God's power came through. And just, wow, wow. So listen to this in John chapter 8, verse 58. Or let's do 57. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? So there's been this discussion about Jesus said, I was before Abraham. And then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He called himself God Almighty. That. Now, now, he had this discussion with them because when Moses said, Who shall I tell him sent me? God, who is speaking to Moses, said, Tell him I am sent you. (laughs) I am sent you. Now Jesus is saying, I am. Now turn to John chapter 10, and I want you to look at verse 30. Well, let's start at verse 27. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And verse 30, I and my Father are one. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal Father. I am the Father. I am, the, I am God. We are one. Is that, is that amazing? Exactly. Jesus would say, I only do what I see the Father doing. That everything is the same in what they're doing and saying. The only thing that the Son doesn't, doesn't know that's reserved for the Father is that time when he returns. At that time right there. Right there. Jesus said, I am. Eternal Father, how do you know that you have eternal life? How do you know that you have eternal life? The Bible says so. What else? How do you know that you have been chosen or that you have eternal life? How do you know that? Yes. Okay. Knowing that God is working through you. According to his word, he's working through you. How do I know that I have eternal life? Yes. 
(laughs) The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. How do I know? It's the Spirit testifying that this is true. This is true. Anybody else? How do you know that you have eternal life? You have this promise of eternity. It's in the Bible. Bible. (laughs) So it's believing it by faith. In John 3.36, John the Baptist says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son does not have life, and the wrath of God abides on him. So belief and obey, the belief is in following God. It is in following him, is believing this is true. It's through Jesus Christ. That's how. That's how we know that we have eternal life. It's through believing in Jesus Christ. Jesus said um, that he is the way for life. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Uh, CF, CF has a condensed version of this message that we believe. And um, so I hear this from Natalie teaching her club over and over again. And she says to the kids, because we, we use the wordless book in CF, she says, she opens it up and the first page is a gold page. And she said, this is to say, God loves you. There's a street of gold in heaven. So gold page says, and the children say, God loves you. She has them trained. God loves you. Um, the dark page says, we have sinned. The red page says, Jesus died for me, for you. The clean page says, I can be forgiven. And the green page says, I can grow. I, this new life, the Holy Spirit. Isn't that, is that a condensed version? So that's, that's how you know. It's because God said so and because you know, you know that you were once living a life separate from God and somehow he opened your heart and your mind to the truth and you began living this life to follow him. So eternal life. So wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. If you're in John now, John, Acts, and then Romans. Romans chapter five. Therefore, having been, verse 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but also we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now this hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given. The Prince of Peace. God made it possible for us to experience peace through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace. So how do you know you have that peace. You believe it? The scripture says so, that God, God through Jesus Christ made it possible. You've been given the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to look up another verse in Philippians. Uh, so if you uh, head to the back of your Bible, Romans, um, 
First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and then Philippians. Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Philippians chapter four, verse four, reads, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that's, there's, there's that wonderful, 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 all understanding, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on with this. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, what is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And he says, the things that you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. So how do you know that you have the peace of God? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. How do you know that you have that peace? The Bible says so, but how do you know that? Just raise your hand. How do you know that you have that peace? Chris. She says, I've learned to be content. Paul said that too, didn't he? I learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. I've learned how to get along with humble means. I've learned how to live in prosperity. In every and any situation, I've learned the secret. And the secret is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How do you know that peace? She says, being content. Anybody else? How do you know God's peace? Yes, Marie. <laughs> you know that peace when you don't stress, panic, or fear that God has given that peace. Okay? You're trusting God, trusting through the stuff. Dale. I don't know if you heard that. He said, you go through trials. And I'm thinking you don't run from them. You go through trials. That's how you know the peace of God is with you. Anybody else? How do you know you have that peace that surpasses all understanding? You just have it. In Matthew chapter um, Five, nine, I believe it's nine, said, Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons and daughters of God. That's one of the evidences is when you walk into a room that you're bringing peace. How do you know you have the peace? You bring peace into the room, not division, not hostility. You're bringing the Holy Spirit into the room. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about 
are, since you've been born again, since you've believed in the Lord Jesus, he's given you the responsibility and the privilege of reconciling people to God. And that's by explaining Jesus. Explaining Jesus to people. That's the job. How do you know that you have the peace of God? Is that's on your mind. You can't shake it. That when you wake up in the morning, you're wondering, is there somebody I'm going to help find the kingdom of God, that doorway, which is Jesus? You can't shake it. How do you know the peace of God? Because the peace of God wants, wants the world, the unsaved to be at peace, to come to know Jesus. That, that you want peace for all. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And then you encourage brothers and sisters to be doing the same thing. What, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing over there? You need, come on, we need to be helping people find peace with God. Romans chapter five. All right. So here's what has happened to me and I'm going to invite you. If so, if you should so desire I'm going to invite you and maybe you're already doing this and praise God. Because he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. He's explained Jesus Christ and he's explained everything that you need for this life. All the trials you're already set up to have victory through any trial that comes your way. You're not going to lose. Every trial that comes you're going to win. You're going to have success because Jesus is with you. His Holy Spirit is with you, okay? So, going into this new year, I wonder if you would join me in um, meeting with the Lord for daily counsel every single day by the reading of God's word. And I want to say for an hour minimum. We're talking about the counselor, not going to a shrink. We're talking about going to the greatest counselor of all. So I'm saying all of our problems, he will help us through them, but it needs to be coming through his spirit, through his word, through his instruction book on life. So not a raise of hands, but would you join me this year, in this new year, by not spending less than an hour a day reading and or studying God's word and prayer an hour minimum, okay? Because if you're not, something's going to happen that will just explode your faith and, and growth in the Lord, because you're going to be receiving counsel. Like when Moses went up on the hill, he received the instruction for the, the temple. He received instruction from God. You're, this is going up on the hill, going up on the mountain. Why would we avoid the counselor that God Almighty that wants to counsel us? So I'm going to just ask that again. Would you be willing to join me to not a minimum of an hour a day in God's word, finding his counsel? Because here's what happens. Most of the time it happens with me. And um, like many of you, I spend an hour in the morning, but then, but then I get to study uh, the other parts of the day, getting ready for a message and stuff. And so I get more than that. And so if, if you want to go more than an hour, that's great. <laughs> Let's do it. But um, 
But here's what happens a lot of the time. As you slow down and, and you start reading, and maybe you like me and going, man, I read this, I read this paragraph three times. I, it's just not clicking with me. Just keep reading it. Maybe read that chapter and get the handle on it. But as you start reading God's word, because it's living and active, it's not just a book. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and intents of your heart. So what's happening is as you slow down and you, you... you get those other thoughts, oh, I've got to change oil in my car, and I've got to, and you just start, it takes some time, if you, haven't, if you haven't done it, it takes some time to get your mind to stop thinking about all the stuff that you have to do, and just to get it focused. It's like uh, those horses that have those blinders on, so they don't get spooked out here, but it takes a little bit of practice, and, and so it's devoting that hour, and what happens is that after a little bit, as you're doing that, and for me, most of the time, it's before the hour's over, but it, it seems like it's like right before. And all of a sudden, it's going, whoa, I, just, I get it. Wow. That's his Holy Spirit illuminating his word. And so I'm going to ask you again, if you want to commit with me not a minimum of an hour a day, and I like in the morning, but, you know, um, this could revolutionize everything. If you're not doing it, this could just... It'd just be an amazing thing. So I want to tell you, um, over, out here at the uh, canopy yesterday, there was a, uh, a man on a, bi- a motorcycle that stopped. And uh, I knew him from years ago. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm having trouble with my marriage. And, I'm, and I said, well, um, uh, how is your time in the Word? And he said, well, I'm... I'm not reading it very much anymore. Maybe once a week. I said, well, I said, I, I need to tell you this. <laughs> but there's something about your thinking that needs to, to get straight. You need a counselor. And I'm not the counselor, but I know who the counselor is. And so he said, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So for each one of us, if you've been having screwy thinking lately, Maybe that hour is going to help screw your head on right and you're going to start seeing things that way. So I'm going to, an hour a day. I'm going to also ask you to do this. Um, Discipline. This year, holy character. Um, In the word it says, I am holy, therefore you are to be holy, like, like me. So holy character. So would you be willing to commit to, with me that this year that you are going to develop holy character by not watching ungodly things? By taking that out of your diet and, and joining God by saying, I'm going to choose to be holy and I'm going to choose to, to follow you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you this year with me um, repent from the stuff, right? Whatever causes that frustration and all that stuff, whatever, that worldly stuff, you and I were called to be holy. Not, oh, I can handle this stuff in this world. I'm, 
I've been a Christian long enough. I can take that stuff, you know. It's like, nah, he didn't, he didn't ask you to take that stuff. There's stuff that you can't avoid. I understand that. But would you be willing to say, I'm going to choose holy living this year? We're not going to score 100%, but would you, an hour in the morning, and would you commit to a holy lifestyle because that's what he's called you through the power of the Holy Spirit this year? It's going to transform everything. It's going to transform us us as a body if we are single-minded on getting the counsel we need every day and on this character of holy living. Finally, daily devoted to praying that you and I would have an opportunity to help somebody to find Jesus. That devoted to that throughout your day is looking for somebody to help find Jesus and encouraging brothers and sisters. Would you devote it? And what maybe is happening here is you're saying to me, Wait a minute, I'm doing those things. Well, praise God. <laughs> that's been a way of life for me. Maybe that's what you're saying. That's been a way of life for me. And yes, I'll join you. That's easy. That's what I've been doing. Praise God. But if not, how about this year? How about we get really focused on an hour in the word and prayer and worship um, and uh, disciplining ourselves to get out of the garbage of the world and, and have holy eyes and, and holy for the Lord, and then finally looking for those opportunities of how I can help somebody that devoted to trying to help people to the kingdom of God because what else is there? What is your job? What, what is my job since becoming a believer? And then, of course, loving brothers and sisters. So um, if that's you, uh, join me because that's that's what happened. Now, just a warning, and then I'll... I'll I'll pray here, but just a warning. This kind of stuff means that you're going to get the attack of the evil one because you know what? He knows that when you become more pure and more focused on him, you become more powerful. The Holy Spirit can use you like you've never been used before. And you're going to start breaking down the doors of darkness and helping people around you to break the darkness, but the enemy does not want you. So any time that you take this step of devotion of going, I've got a New Year's resolution, here it is. Anytime you say, I'm going to commit to you, Lord. I'm going to commit an hour a day to you. Do you know what's going to happen? Is that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to come into your life and it's going to be very difficult for you to spend an hour in the word. You're going to be attacked. There's going to be distractions. So I'm going to warn you, if you take this commitment with me, you're going to get attacked. So if you don't want to get attacked, back away from it and say, no, no, no. But know that there's a war on. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We're, there's a spirit war going on. And Satan knows that when you get serious about falling after him, you get, you get in a power position and he doesn't want you to be powerful and then that holy living thing the bible says that our prayers are hindered if we're harboring sin in our life our prayers are hindered from god answering 
That's why holy living. That's why repenting. Do you know it says that when you mess up, the Bible says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. As soon as you mess up, you get right back on because the devil's going to kick you and keep you down so that you don't become pure and holy before him. He's already made you that. You're just stepping into that by agreeing with God. And then that final, would you join me in wherever you are looking for opportunity to Speak Jesus over people, to people, and helping others to do the same. Okay. You're going to be attacked on every level. So this is not for sissies. <laughs> this is serious stuff. And so you're going to have to be in prayer. You're going to have to be aware of what's going on. But maybe it's time for all of us together to go, okay, it's a new year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that we can't do this. This can only be done through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we thank you, Lord God, and we ask in Jesus' name that you would create in us that desire to be Jesus wherever we are, the Holy Spirit in us. We thank you, Lord God. Lord, help us with this year as we make this start in this new year. Lord God, we don't know how much time we have, but we want to go out swinging. So Lord, I thank you. You said, put on the full armor of God so that you may withstand against the the evil one's schemes. Put on the belt of truth. Uh, Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the gospel of peace, your shoes. Put on the faith, the shield of faith, and uh, the helmet of salvation and the word of God. And uh, button it all up with prayer. And we thank you, Lord God, for what, what we're going to see this year, Lord God. The old is gone, the new has come. We thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.